This is another episode of Conservative Conversations with your hosts, Rita Frank. How are you today, Frank? I'm doing pretty well, I'd have to say. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Also, can't complain too much. It's getting a little hot out as summer comes around. Yes, it is warm. I set out just to have a cigarette and I'm sweating by the end of it. Well, you know how I can also tell it's getting hot out? How's that? My electric bill's going up, that's how. <laughs> that sounds about right. Nope. But listeners, we got a couple updates for you today. And we're going to start with our most recent one. is the Supreme Court case regarding the cheerleader uh, we talked about in our last episode. Um, and the Supreme Court decided... Eight to one in the uh, cheerleaders' favor, and uh, sort of a brief summary of what uh, they decided is that uh, there are some cases where schools can regulate students' speech while off campus, but in this particular case, it wasn't warranted, so that's. That's one partly why they decided in the uh, students' favor. And Frank is also is going to read a few quotes that we have pulled from a couple articles uh, about what the uh, justices wrote regarding their decisions. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, Justice Stephen Breyer penned the majority opinion. Um, and in it, he was stating things like, um, uh, let's see, you know, that it might be tempting to dismiss the student's words as unworthy of the robust First Amendment protections discussed, but sometimes it's necessary to protect the superfluous in order to preserve the necessary. Um, Instead, he stated that while public schools may have a special interest in regulating some off-campus student speech, the special interests offered by the school were not sufficient to overcome the girl's interest in free expression in the case. Um, Breyer wrote that there were three features of off-campus speech by students that affected a school's ability to regulate it, as opposed to speech on school grounds. The first feature he detailed um, is that a school rarely stands in loco parentis, um, which is a Latin phrase that means in the place of the parent, um, when a student is off campus. The second feature is that schools have a heavy burden, quote unquote, to justify regulating speech off campus since they otherwise would technically be able to intervene in what a student says during the full 24-hour day. The third feature, Breyer wrote, is that as nurseries of democracy, quote-unquote, schools should have an interest in protecting unpopular expression, especially when the expression takes place off campus. But interestingly, Thomas, uh, as the only dissenter, wrote that the majority fails to consider whether schools often will have more authority, not less, 
to discipline students who transmit speech through social media. Thomas explained that since speech made through social media can be seen and shared on campus, it often will have a greater proximate tendency to harm the school environment than will an off-campus, in-person conversation. He also wrote that the majority failed to explain why it breaks from a prior rule that schools can regulate off-campus speech so long as it has approximate tendency to harm the school, its faculty or students, or its programs. The foundation of the majority's ruling is untethered from anything stable, Thomas wrote, and courts and schools will almost certainly be at a loss as to what exactly the court's opinion today means. So definitely interesting there, and I found in the the first article that you uh, referred me to on this matter, um, there was a small note at the bottom of it (coughs) where it said that uh, Thomas contends that the school could could be harmed by the student, uh, you know, by the student's words and the attention garnered. Um, So he found that the school could justly punish as a deterrent which i thought was kind of interesting but you know i don't remember the particular way we hashed this on the last recording but i don't find it a huge shock that they sided with the cheerleader do you no um i th- i think in general uh as it was sort of pointed out and it's like in this particular case the a uh, girl in her post didn't even specifically mention the school, um, so they didn't have a whole lot of claim that they were being harmed. Um, and I think since they have sort of ruled narrowly, sort of regarding just to this case, uh, I think we're likely to see more similar cases probably come up in the future. Because uh, I think it's sort of like Tom, uh, Thomas pointed out, since uh, there doesn't seem to be a line drawn, there's going there probably will have to be another case until we figure out where that, you know, where the line is, when a school can and cannot, you know, censor or regulate a student's speech while off campus. One and two. Uh, one uh, from a social media post. Right. Definitely some interesting nuance to this case. Yep, I think so. Um, and one of the things I saw, and I remember we kind of talked about this in the last episode, uh, we had wondered, like, who was the first person to sort of make that decision to suspend her from the cheer team? Mm-hmm. And I saw that it was originally the coach had done so after another uh, teammate had shown the post uh, to the coach. And um, I, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure I've said this last time too, that it wasn't necessarily wrong for the coach to punish her. I think, you know, maybe saying... You know, uh, you know, you you have to set out the next game or next, you know, meet whatever, whatever. Not 
whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. That I think that would have been an acceptable punishment. Um, but I believe it was a whole year, and you know, just for a teenager doing what teenagers often do, especially nowadays with social media. So I think there is a lot of, like you said, nuance to this case that you know can be discussed and played out this way and played out that way. Well, and I think you know one of the one of the real things here, the real rub, if you will, is it was just at the end of the day a girl blowing off some steam about you know what was bothering her in regards to school and her failure to make the varsity team. <clears throat> Surely the adults involved would know that this would blow over. So I don't understand why a particular teacher or particular members of the school board or whatever, the principal, you know, a bunch of adults, I don't see why they couldn't just get over it and realize that a teenager cussing on social media is like anybody else spitting into the wind, you know. It it dissipates over time. Right. So we'll see. I'm glad... Uh, uh, the case was came came to a resolution, and we were able to follow up on it like we said we would. Yeah, and I find it interesting too. The girl, the cheerleader in the case, was interviewed, and she said basically the same thing that she was glad that it was over. And as I recall, she she seemed to have some quip about how she feels good that now students can, you know express themselves without fear of coming into school the next day and being punished for it. Right, yeah, I think that's good. We'll see where it leads. Sure. Then I believe you have a few uh, other topics that uh, we can provide follow-ups and updates on that we discussed in prior episodes. Yeah, um, quite a few, honestly. We've... We've made several predictions and had lots of interesting conversations on this channel where, um, you know, we don't always seem to follow up. We, we're a very news-forward uh, place, and uh, we're always reading what's happening today, what's happening next week, what's coming down the pike. So I happen to sit down and spend a good fair amount of time listening to our old some of our older episodes and uh, I think the first one that really stands out to me would be the episode that we called Sloppy New Year because that was the where we really made a bunch of New Year predictions you know we had a New Year new administration uh, some big changes and we predicted where that might lead us so um, one of the first predictions that I had made was that we would see a lot more of Barack and Michelle Obama. And now, being six months out from when we made this prediction, <coughs> uh, if you were to go back and listen to the audio, I said that we'd be seeing them, you know, almost daily, and um, that the news media would be constantly parading them around you know that they'd basically be on air every morning noon and night um 
And while we have seen a fair bit of Barack, I don't think that it really fit in the same way that I predicted that it would be. Um, it seems more like they tr- they trot out Obama anytime they have a real big flop uh, with some push that they've made, uh, you know, towards a new legislation or some scandal that's happened. Uh, it seems that they just tried out Obama to just say, oh, nothing to see here. I, I still support Biden, you know. Um, I don't feel that I've seen him as much as I thought I would have. No, it seems like uh, they bring him out every now and then to when they're trying to push uh, a certain talking point. Um, mm-hmm. I just saw him on some clerk some clip recently and I don't even know what he was talking about because I didn't really watch the clip I watched somebody else talking about the clip but I wasn't paying attention but uh, yeah he definitely comes out every now and then I don't don't hear that much from Michelle as compared to Brock right well the only thing I have to add on that bit is just just to yeah. remind that it's only been six months, and who knows, we may still see more of them yet. Um, but it really hasn't been to the effect that I imagined when I made this prediction. Right, well, I guess we can make a, a, try to come up with another prediction on top of that. <laughs> um, off, uh, off air, you and I were talking a little bit, and, you know... Uh, we were talking about these uh, updates that we have, and one of the other ones, uh, maybe we'll just kind of lead right into it, is um, regarding Joe Biden's health. And uh, one of the things you pointed out was that not a whole lot of people seem too happy or thrilled or excited about Kamala Harris. So I wonder, maybe as... She, you know, can either continues to be as terrible as she is or gets even more terrible and people don't have high favorability ratings for her. If we'll push Obama out more often to help cover more for uh, Joe Biden. Certainly interesting. I know that he was one of her biggest backers. Um, You know, when she made her independent run, um, you know, uh, back at the primary time when she was running on her Mm -hmm. own. Um, So, yeah, I could see that. I definitely see how you tie it in um, with the other thing. Um, But she really has been doing a terrible job, you know, with this border thing and and while Joe Biden's health, you know, doesn't seem to be deteriorating or anything, you know, and God bless him. Mm-hmm. He, his mind seems just as mm, clouded. <laughs> I don't know, just as uh, he seems just as crazy as ever. You know, I'm sure you've heard. Uh, mostly because we already mentioned it, but he's had this latest whispering outburst where he's whispering to the 
reporters and he's whispering to the camera mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so funny you know as as I told you but I'll tell the listeners as well there was a segment on Fox News where Jason Chaffetz was interviewed about it and oh it's so comical you know he leans into the camera I don't think he even expected to do it uh, because he ends up cracking himself up but he leans into the camera right as as um, Sean Hannity you know, sets him up, he says, and here's Jason Chaffetz, and he's going to give us his opinion. And he asks him, he says, well, Jason, why why is Biden acting s- like this? <clears throat> What's it mean? And Chaffetz, the pickup, is with him leaned real close to the camera, and he says, it's creepy. Yesterday at the White House, he was acting a little odd. Watch. Employers can't find workers. I said, yeah. Pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What's happening? I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week for child care. The bill on the environment. Why would I not be for it? Joining us now with reaction is Fox News contributor Charlie Hurt and Fox News contributor Jason Chaffetz. Jason, the whispering. What do you think here? It's very creepy. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's just weird. It is, I mean, it come. Is. <laughs> so, um, who knows about his health? Um, as far as predictions and making more predictions, that's one where I still feel. You know, not that I'm wishing for it, but I gave him two years from inauguration, and I don't see why that shouldn't still track. That would still be my prediction. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, physically, he might still be in pretty good health, but it's almost like every week a little more, a little more. Well, and you just have to wonder what the Democrats are thinking. I mean, because there have even been calls from within their party uh, for him to undergo a mental health evaluation. And, of course, there was all that talk, you know, about the 25th Amendment and everything. And now you just have Mm -hmm. to wonder who on earth in the Democratic Party would really support a Kamala president, a President Harris. Surely they're out of their minds. Yeah, I don't think she's very popular amongst a lot of people. Um, I mean, maybe among the more left-wing of the Democrat Party, but uh, I don't get the sense that a whole lot of moderates are that that much in favor of her, and certainly Republicans aren't. Not this Republican, anyway. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I hate her little... Hyena cackle that she does. Oh my gosh. Uh, I Somebody asked, I forget where I was watching it, but somebody played like a montage of her crazy laughs. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so awkward and terrible that it makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to send that to me. I'd get a kick out of that. My favorite uh, yeah, one... My favorite one... Uh, that's happened recently. Um, I highly doubt we've talked about it on this channel yet, but 
you know, she's she was interviewed by Lester Holt. And he says to her, you know, how come you haven't been to the border yet? And she says, well, I haven't been to Europe either. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm seeing that. Well, first she tries to say, I've been to the border. I've been to the border. I've been to the border. She keeps saying it over and over. And then he, he presses her on it and says that he, she has it. And then she finally says what you said. Yeah, I haven't been to Europe either. And she does that cackle. And she laughs. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh, yeah. And it's like... What? I mean... Like a crazy lady. Well, and it really is crazy, too. I mean, because she's border czar, named by President Biden, and she won't even stay on point. I mean, the problem at the border, the problem with these South American migrants has nothing to do with Europe. I mean, what an inappropriate joke. It's just... It's just mind-boggling. Yeah, and then, yeah, recently she went to, um, she did go to the border. She went to El Paso, um, and I, and I saw that a lot of people are getting order because she didn't go to some other part of the border. McCallum, McCallum, yeah. yeah, where situation's supposedly worse. Well, McCallum's where uh, Trump's going to be. And that, yes, like you said, that's right where the problem is that they're having. But instead, she went to El Paso um, because it was more comfortable. She went with a representative uh, from that area, a Democratic representative. Oh, yeah. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from what I heard, it was just sort of safe. She spent more time in the airport than she did at the wall, if you will. Um and it all tracks. I mean, there are smart people. Uh, Jesse Waters is the first one that comes to mind, but there are others too who have said, you know, she doesn't want her picture taken down there because they're looking at, just like we've been talking about, I mean, if Biden kicks the bucket or if he stays in and she actually has to fight for either the presidency or whatever she's going to run for next. She doesn't want to be associated with these problems. With She doesn't want to have her picture taken down there, essentially. So I think that makes sense. If you ask, how come she's not there? Well, that makes sense. She doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to be pictured there. Why doesn't she? Why right. does she go down in this faction? In this fashion, excuse me. Because it was safe. She controlled every aspect of it. She did it with friends. She went to friendly territory if you will it's all pitiful i think it makes her look worse than before she went yeah and one of the things that gets me every time is that they keep blaming the massive influx of migrants on trump policies yes when, sure, there might have been a few 
surges to the border while he was president, but nothing like what's going on now. So how can you say that is a result of policies you got rid of? This is happening after you got rid of the policies, and during, partly. And they're walking around saying, but it was Trump's policies that caused the problem. Well, and it's also, I mean, I love what you're saying, because if you listen to the speech that she gave in Guatemala, you know, she's telling the representative, or I mean, excuse me, she's telling the, um, the Guatemalan population, she's saying, do not come. Do not come to mm. the United States. You will be turned away. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. But you can pull... You can pull video of her on the campaign trail saying same with biden that we should welcome these people that america mm -hmm. will welcome these people and i think it's very important that when we think about this issue we understand it in the context of real people and what they are experiencing so how and do you treat how do you treat them once they're here what you do is you give them the benefit of a process that we put in place a very long time ago anticipating that there will be people around the globe who will flee harm, who will flee danger and arrive at our shores. And we put in place a process because we said, as Americans, we have strong arms that will embrace those who are being hurt. So we put in place a process to hear their stories, to determine the legitimacy of their stories. And if their story is legitimate, to give them a place of refuge and safety. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would in fact make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. <clears throat> so, I mean, all the flip-flopping, all the flip-flopping right. comes from one side. From one side. And then, yes, I just heard her quoted the other day as well, you know, saying, we inherited a mess. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think so. I think you inherited a solution. And your first, I mean, it was like in Biden's first three days, they started undoing yeah. the Remain in Mexico policy. They stopped border wall, um, you know, building or whatever, construction. Um <clears throat> and they stopped the Exxon pipeline or the Excel pipeline, excuse me. So right off the bat, they just started blasting big holes in this just to stay on uh, immigration thing. But it was immediately repeal, repeal, repeal. And that remain in Mexico policy was one of the most beautiful things that came out of the Trump administration. Right. It makes sense. It does make sense, and I, we won't bore the viewers because I think we've even talked through it, why it does make sense before. You know, if you're fleeing oppression or danger, as soon as you've come to a safe place, you get your, you know, asylum. you apply for your asylum. Right. Uh -huh. Why do you just get to pick, oh, I'm going to move to Germany 
because West Virginia sucks. You know, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. Hello, listeners. You just heard part one of the update episode. We typically try to keep episodes around 30 minutes long, and this recording turned out to be just about an hour. So Frank and I decided we'll split it into two parts, and you'll have an extra episode next week. And also, we are on vacation, so this will give us some material to put out while we're gone. We hope you enjoyed this part one of the episode, and tune in next week to hear part two. Thank you for listening.